wise and anatomically inaccurate prophecies of Oh Lord, Hear the Server. For the prompt, horror. An isolated incident, written by Waldo Sakimbo and read by Jan. They'd done their best to fill the cottage over the weeks and months and years since their arrival. And indeed, it wasn't merely occupied, it was full. The walkways became perilous, the space between bookshelves and antique furniture and veneer collection a thing that not even a snake could slither through without something toppling over. Crowley tripped one afternoon, carrying two saucers of tea from the kitchen to the living room, and almost toppled a skyscraper of old books and little statuettes. He caught his ankle on an overburdened ottoman and brought down a collection of first editions. Their age had softened them, sure, but they still battered his head until he was cursing hellfire. That's it. Crowley lifted the teacups, ready to fling them. They would crash and break magnificently, but the trouble was the shards would get lost, and he'd likely be the one to step barefoot on them a week later. Instead, he struggled back to the kitchen and left them on the counter. Dusting was therapeutic, a therapy that had gone neglected long enough. While the cottage was perfectly quiet and still, Crowley dared to take it up again. He had his own little rituals. He preferred to tie his hair back with a red band, loose but functional. He preferred a pair of big but thin-framed glasses, the ones with the plastic legs, because they stayed on his ear better. He preferred shorts, with a frayed fringe at the bottom and big wool socks he could slide over the warm golden wood floorboards, and he preferred a little half-apron with little half-appropriate haloed hearts that had been a gift for a long-lost holiday for brooms and toads that they couldn't remember from when, but celebrated when they did. Soon enough, the quiet cottage was alive with water and suds as Crony tackled the kitchen. He loathed the feeling of too much water and food particles and considered a miracle to get the dishes in order. Instead, he hoped his companion would hear him and come down from wherever he was hiding to see what the fuss was about, perhaps of her hands. All but those teacups were soon washed and dried, and Crowley looked at them as he wrung his hands with the apron. He sniffed and mused, pushing his lips out, before he decided they'd be equally nice to enjoy when he was all done. When there was a love seat all cleaned up for him to stretch out on and to entice an angel to join him. It was the living room that was hell. Oh, well, not that. The worst of the situation. On the ground floor. Upper level was a lost cause, but a comfy one at that, and he could slip in around a Xerophil on their bed and close his eyes, and all the mess was put away when he dreamed. Right, you and me.
Crowley said to the entryway, which looked for a moment to be breathing. The darkness shifted, taking him in. He stepped closer and placed his hand on the steady door frame, the stillness only disturbed by wind, by the bones of the place settling in, as they always did. Always were doing. Always would. It was all merely about shifting. Uneven stacks were piled up neatly, creating a wall that was flush against the baseboard trim and pricked up the orange and green flower wallpaper. Not his choice, but there were worse arguments to be savored. They pinned down the carpeting and revealed little pockets of forgotten, half-eaten rolls and half-drunk cups. Well, you're lucky we've no ants, Crowley grumbled, gathering up the items, arranging them in a neat pile by the arched entryway into the kitchen. He'd bring them all when he was certain he had hunted them down. The stacks became neater, the brick became higher, and Crowley finally cleared out enough space to drag his collection of vinyl records to the center of the room. They were safely put away in twelve boxes, a modest number compared to some of the other collections in the cottage. He lifted the lid off one and gently thumbed through the files until he pulled out David Bowie's self-titled album, carefully tracing the image over the front when something thumped. A lot of things thumped, actually. Toppled. That was the sound of toppling if there ever was one. Is he rough there? Crowley slid the record back in amongst its friends and went around the corner of shelves and knick-knacks to find the source. Crowley's bricks of books had deteriorated, half of them scattered on the floor, like they'd lost their balance and fell into the space behind the stack and the wall. Crowley scowled appropriately at the mess and leaned past the stacks to start picking them up again. He set them firmly against the wall, raising them there. Stay, he ordered, and quickly built the wall too deep for stability. There were fewer dishes to be found, but one of the bookshelves started to make themselves known, and Crowley gathered armfuls of items, setting them aside. He dropped a forgotten wool jumper and several book and busts onto the floor. A cloud of dust plumed in his face, and she sneezed violently, just for the thrill of it. When something thumped, toppled. Crowley scrubbed his nose, turning to look back towards the wall. The books had toppled again, a wrecking ball through the center, and scattered all over the floor. There was a good meter and a half between book mortar and cottage wall, the dull grey floor bare at the edge of the carpeting. Crowley knelt to pick them up when he touched the floor. It was warm, and the boards creaked and groaned, settling. Another groan, this time from the kitchen archway, a slow metallic sound like a screen door. 
Crony stood quickly and turned, but the bookshelves were all in his way. He stepped as carefully as he could through the bric-a-brac, less mindful when another bookshelf took the place of the first, and then another. Crony shoved through the mess, no longer indulging in sneezes or care. He saw another standing from dull grey floor to dull grey ceiling. Crony was parting now, the air too still. He should find the windows and open them, let a breeze go through. He jumped over books, the covers blank or too worn away to see. The dust so thick that it coated what wall he could see ahead of him. Dark and grey. Another bookshelf. Another. And Crowley finally shoved, throwing things out of the way, the texture of the shelf's ash crumbling as the rumble of the house drew wider. Now racing it, now fighting it, Crowley started to sprint over the dark dead floor, breathing faster. He could barely see the faint glow, the kitchen or the window or the front door, it didn't matter. But it was fading, and he had to hurry. He clawed past junk, ripping into the burnt furniture, the blackened ones that were damp from firemen's houses. He was coughing now, and the smell of fresh fires, and suddenly, and suddenly, he wasn't looking for an exit. Aziraphale. The books were all burnt down, the familiar shop a husk, the only warmth of the ghost of the fires. Crowley lost sight of the window, the archway, the door. He was looking around on the floor now, climbing over the remains of the antique rug, kicking the leather armchair Aziraphale favoured. He brought his arm up over his face and coughed harder, his eyes stinging, blurring the edges of... The room pulled away, yanked out like a magician performing a very poor trick. The floor was clean, barren. The walls too far away to see them. The ceiling, well, it was too hard to look up when kneeling on the burnt lines of the sigil on the floor. Used up, useless. Crowley crawled forward and knelt on it. His chest hurt from all the smoke. Should be used to it, really, but he was a liar if he thought that was true. If he thought he could escape and stop it all, get away from everything. Get a little cottage, all stuffed up with everything Aziraphale, until it was bursting with all them together. What a magnificent and beautiful lie, after they took his best friend away. Better just lie down, dream again. The End